Welcome to Morning Soap. At Fusion Church, our desire is to see everyone attend church and hear from God daily through His Word. The Bible reveals God's responses to various situations, and through daily devotions, we can reshape our thought patterns, transform our minds, and become more Christ-like. Join us here every Monday through Friday as different pastors and leaders from Fusion Church provide insightful devotions and teachings based on the day's scripture. For the current SOAP reading plan, visit fusionchurch.cc soap and join us as we deepen our understanding and relationship with God. Father, thank you, thank you, thank you that we get to gather around your word to press into your spirit. So Lord, I just pray that you would uh, uh, give us the spirit of revelation and wisdom this morning. And we just want to grow in the grace and knowledge of who you are. So God, I just thank you for everything that you're going to give your children today. And I thank you that you have so much wisdom stored up for us. So God, I just pray, come and meet us here as in Jesus matches name that we pray. Amen. 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 All right, everybody. So Second Chronicles chapter 9, we're going to be starting in verse 1. It says, When the queen of Sheba heard of Solomon's fame, she came to Jerusalem to test him with hard questions. Arriving with a very great caravan with camels carrying spices, large quantities of gold, and precious stones, she came to Solomon and talked with him about all she had on her mind. Solomon answered all her questions. Nothing was too hard for him to explain to her. When the queen of Sheba saw the wisdom of Solomon, as well as the palace he had built, the food on his table, the seating of his officials, the attending servants in their robes, the cupbearers in their robes, and the burnt offerings he made at the temple of the Lord, she was overwhelmed. She said to the king, the report I had heard in my own country about your achievements and your wisdom is true. But I did not believe what they said until I came and saw with my own eyes. Indeed, not even half the greatness of your wisdom was told me. You have far exceeded the report I had. How happy your people must be. How happy your officials who continually stand before you and hear your wisdom. Praise be to the Lord your God, who has delighted in you and placed you on his throne as king to rule for the Lord your God. Because of the love of God of is for Israel and his desire to uphold them forever, he has made you king over them to maintain justice and righteousness. Then she gave the king 120 talents of gold, large quantities of spices and precious stones. There had never been such spices as those the queen of Sheba gave to the king Solomon. <clears throat> the servants of Haram and the servants of Solomon brought gold from Ophir. They also brought algum wood and precious stones. The king used the algum wood to make steps for the temple of the Lord and for the royal palace and to make harps and lyres for the musicians. Nothing like them have ever been seen in Judah. King Solomon gave the queen of Sheba all she had desired and asked for. He gave her more than she had brought to him. Then she left and returned with her uh, uh, with her return uh, to her own country. <clears throat> Verse 13. The weight of the gold that Solomon received yearly was 666 talents, not including the revenues brought in by merchants and traders. 
Also, all the kings of Arabia and the governors of the territories brought gold and silver to Solomon. King Solomon made 200 large shields of hammered gold. 600 shekels of hammered gold went into each shield. He also made 300 small shields of hammered gold with 300 shekels of gold in each shield. The king put them in the palace of the forest of Lebanon. Then the king made a great throne covered with ivory and overlaid with pure gold. The throne had six steps and a footstool of gold was attached to it. On both sides of the seat were armrests with a lion standing beside each of them. Twelve lions stood on the six steps, one at either end of each step. Nothing like it had ever been made for any other kingdom. All King Solomon's goblets were gold, and all the household articles in the palace of the forest of Lebanon were pure gold. Nothing was made of silver, because silver was considered of little value in Solomon's day. The king had a fleet of trading ships manned by Haram servants. Once every three years, it was returned carrying gold, silver, ivory, and apes and baboons. King Solomon was greater in riches and wisdom than all the other kings of the earth. All the kings of the earth sought audience with Solomon to hear the wisdom God had put in his heart. Year after year, everyone who came brought a gift, articles of silver, gold, robes, weapons, spices, horses, mules. Solomon had 4,000 stalls for horses and chariots and 12,000 for horses. When he kept in the chariot cities, uh, which he kept in the chariot cities and also with him in Jerusalem, he ruled over all the kings from Euphrates River to the land of the Philistines, as far as the border of Egypt. The king made silver as common in Jerusalem as stones and cedar as plentiful as sycamore trees in the foothills. Solomon's horses were imported from Egypt and from other countries. As for the other events of Solomon's reign from beginning to end are not written in the records of Nathan and prophet in the prophecy of Elijah and uh, uh, the Shilonite and in the visions of Edo, the seer concerning Jeroboam, son of Nebat. Solomon reigned in Jerusalem uh, over all Israel 40 years. Then he rested with his ancestors and was buried in the city of David, his father and Rehoboam, his son succeeded him as king. Wow. Come on. Now, Fusion Church, as always, be sure to put in your questions, comments, verses that stood out to you. I would love, love, love to hear just kind of what God is saying to you. And we always know so often it plays into what we're talking about together as a family. Uh, there are so many things that we could unpack from this passage. I'll be honest, when I was first just doing a deep dive on this chapter, I got stuck in verse one for way too long because there's just so much we could unpack from a chapter like this. Like, I don't know about you, but I'd love to live in a country where silver or the dollar is as common as stones on the ground. And just so we know, we may not see a lot of stones on the ground as we drive through our, you know, our cities and our towns. Um, but at that point in the Middle East, there were stones everywhere, correct? You know, even Jesus, when he was down on the earth, he was saying, you know, if you do not worship, no worries. The stones will cry out worship to me. So uh, I love to hear about the wisdom and the blessing that God had through Solomon's reign, right? I don't know, but uh, there's something about 12,000 stalls for horses that sounds kind of attractive. <laughs> but let's break down verse one together and we'll see where we can go from there. So verse one, just to recap, says, when the queen of Sheba heard of Solomon's fame, she came to Jerusalem to test him with hard questions. 
You know, Solomon's fame is something that really piques my interest because many times when we talk about fame in Christian world, there seems to be a negative connotation attached to it because many times we, the church, want all of the glory to go to God, which I don't think there's ever anything wrong with that. However, I think it's also good to note, notice and note that there's a, an aspect to fame where God does get glory and makes his name even more famous than an individual's fame. So right here, it's noted, uh, worthy to note that the words of Solomon's wisdom was spreading rapidly throughout the earth. You know, Solomon was a good king, much like his father, you know, and of course, David, his father, David, was fairly imperfect. You know, we know this is where the lineage of Jesus comes from, but even David inside of his life was a wicked man uh, quite often. However, we see here that Solomon is kind of following in his father's footsteps and then taking the kingdom to the next level. You know, I like actually what it says in First Kings chapter 10, where First uh, Kings chapter 10, when it's talking about the same exact passage. You see, in the same exact passage of First Kings chapter 10, uh, this is why I encourage you to go ahead and, you know, do deep dives on passages, because more often than not, that there's another passage in the Bible that mirrors what this one is talking about. So in this passage, uh, uh, it shares that Solomon's fame was coming from being connected with the Lord. You know, Solomon wasn't famous for being an incredible singer, even though it would have been great if he was. Solomon wasn't famous for being an incredible speaker, even though he very easily could have been. Solomon wasn't famous for the things that we would attach fame to people, right? Uh, Solomon wasn't selling Taylor Swift tickets at $2,000 a pop to get in his presence, right? Solomon's fame came from being connected with the Lord. You know, and I started to think, how uh, special would it be as far as us as the church to start having our reputation get circled around being connected with the Lord? First Timothy chapter three, verse seven actually tells us, and especially inside of the ministers of the faith, it says, have a good reputation with people inside of the church and both outside of the church. You know, when I was looking to uh, get credentialed, you know, basically the wonderful piece of paper that you get to hang on your wall that says you're allowed to minister in churches. When I was looking to get credentialed, uh, I started getting phone calls from my neighbors who live next to me and said, hey, just so you know, we just got a phone call from someone uh, uh, part of this like church network asking what kind of person you were. And at first I was a little flabbergasted, like what? Why are you getting a phone call from them? So when I did the follow-up, they said, we want to make sure you have a good reputation with the people around you, whether they be in the church or outside of the church. And I started learning this value of it's important what our reputation upholds in people, right? And then, right, so if we have a reputation, what kind of reputation do we have? Philippians 4 verse 5 says, let your gentleness be evident to all. Now, when I read a verse like this, I get a little convicted. Uh, I don't know how you feel when the word gentleness starts getting thrown around, but I don't always consider myself the most gentle of people. I consider myself one of a more kind of blunt and direct person, you know, because more often than not, I'm normally just trying to get to the point. Uh, but here, the Bible actually is telling us something a little bit different. It's the gentleness. We want our gentleness to actually be the evidence to all that we're connected with Jesus. Another way I'm going to say this is let the fruit of the spirit be evident to all. Let it be obvious that to everyone that we come in contact with that we're Christ followers. Can I get an amen from someone? Because it is so important that our reputation goes before us 
in the fact that we're Christ followers before anything else, right? So if if we want the fruit of the spirit to be our reputation, I actually want to uh, kind of challenge us with a question this morning. And whatever time you're listening to, whether it be Apple Podcasts, YouTube later on, I just want to challenge you today and for all of us get challenged together. And the question is, what's your reputation? If you really did a synopsis and an analysis on your reputation with people or maybe even get a little bold and ask people, hey, how do I come across? Because I don't know about you. I think I may have some blind spots inside of my own reputation, correct? You see, uh, and I love to share and unpack like my life from different seasons. And uh, I like to share my successes, but I more openly share my mistakes with all of you because I believe there's so many lessons that God has in our mess ups. Uh, Many years ago, uh, I worked inside of the restaurant world. I was on the corporate end and I was down helping open a restaurant uh, in Frederick, Maryland. And I loved it. I was training the management staff. I was training our operating partner uh, and I was teaching them how to run the restaurant and how we can go ahead and make it profitable together. And while I was down there, uh, I got some good rapport with a lot of, let's say, our waiting staff, our cooks, things like that. And I was very big on having a solid, great culture where people felt motivated to work and do their best. And and work with excellence, right? While I'm down there, I started noticing that the staff continually came to me and complained about the managers. And uh, I think a lot of us may know, I know this isn't like as common anymore, but it's like water cooler talk, right? You start hanging out by the water cooler and you start hearing about all the gossip, correct? So uh, I would have one person person at a time come and start complaining about a manager, complaining about this, complaining about that. And for me, uh, I may be direct, but I'm also kind of a peacekeeper because I really want to find out like, hey, where can we find the middle ground between us here? You know, because I really because we can't go forward unless there's unity. If there's anything to learn from Acts chapter two is that God blesses unity. So how can we find unity here? And this was happening with a lot of the staff. You see, it's important to know, uh, or not, sorry, not so important to know. Uh, when we're trying to open a restaurant, we need at least 140 staff there to open the thing. So when you have about 50, 60 people coming and gossiping to you about their bosses and whatever, I'm starting to get a little bit overwhelmed. I'm one guy, right? So I go and meet with the area director. The area director tells me, wow, this is so like, this is kind of crazy. You know, we do see this a lot, but you know, Harry, I want to challenge you with a question. I said, go ahead. Why did they feel comfortable about coming and gossiping to you about their managers, other coworkers and systems? And I said, I don't know. I consider myself to probably be an approachable guy. And he said, no, what boundary haven't you drawn yet in your reputation to go ahead and let people know I'm not the one to talk to about this? And that's when I was challenged of, am I representing Jesus well inside of my workplace? So we started drawing some strong boundaries and getting some good way, forms of communication. And I can tell you, I spent about two, two and a half months inside of this restaurant before I finally left, helping them get, get on their feet. By the time of that uh, end of the two, two and a half months, we had that team in unison and that team ready to go to pioneer what God was going to do there. And we were very excited about it. But it all came from that one question. What's your reputation? I was deeply, deeply challenged by a man who saw that it wasn't just the people complaining, but what's the platform as to why they get to complain. And you see, I don't think there's anything wrong with people coming to us, venting a little bit. But if we're not working out of a spirit of unity, then there probably is a little bit of a problem and a blind spot. 
You see, Solomon's reputation inside of this passage was going before him. Solomon's reputation was opening doors with kings and queens from other regions. You know, I would love to hear inside of the news less doom and gloom. I would love to hear more less on Facebook of all the drama, everyone's videos and opinions on what is going on around the world. And I would love to see more of Christ's followers and the reputation of Jesus, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the goodness of God, the mercy of God on display inside of the world. Because I personally believe that is significantly more powerful than hearing about some nastiness across the country somewhere happening or some Karen freaking out in McDonald's. Can I get an amen from someone? Because the last thing I need to see when I'm scrolling on Instagram is someone upset because they got nine chicken nuggets instead of 10. And I think it's so crazy that these are the focuses of our life when we have a good, good, merciful father that wants to encounter people. And you see, I don't, I, I try not to nitpick at people who aren't aren't Christ followers that act like that. They have a different standard in which they're operating on. The Holy Spirit isn't inside of them growing the fruit of the Holy Spirit, love, joy, pace, pace, peace, right, right. Uh, I'm, oh my gosh, tongue twister, peace, patience, all the good stuff. However, when I see it inside of the church and Christ followers acting that way, that's when my heart begins to break. Because you see, what we're doing is, is we're not just putting our reputation on display, but we're putting the reputation of Jesus on display. And I heard a preacher say long ago that it's okay for people to uh, hate us because of Jesus, because just as the gospel say, when Jesus says, uh, they hated me, surely they'll hate you because we carry a very controversial and strong message that there's a God who lived, lived perfect, died and rose again. And he wants a relationship with you. It's a strong message, but if, if they hate, Jesus because of us, then there's a problem. You see, they can hate us because of Jesus, but they cannot hate Jesus because of us, because we have to represent him well through our reputation. And Solomon here has a reputation that he's living forth with God in front of people. And you see, Solomon's reputation was paving way, paving way for the goodness of God. And I have another question I want to give to you today, because if you know anything about the life of G, uh, life of Solomon, his reputation paved the way for the gospel. But there's also this one thing, one thing inside of his life that messed with him a little bit. And it's this word success, success. And I want to challenge you with another question this morning. What does success do to you? You see, inside of the church and inside of the body of Christ, very, very, very often, uh, we talk about getting through difficulty, and there's nothing wrong with that. And I want to say this with great sensitivity because I know so many of us as we're coming into the Christmas season, you know, tomorrow, December kicks off and we are off to the races, you know, seeing all of our family, being reminded, you know, that that loved one isn't at the table anymore, you know, being reminded that our family may be split up. You know, I want to do this with great sensitivity because we serve and love a God that is in the middle of our difficulty with us. But I also want to kind of propose to us this morning that God is the Lord of the battle, but he isn't just God over your trials. He's also a God of triumph. 
Because if we live inside of a mindset where, God, you're just here to get me through trials, get me through trials, get me through trials, eternity is going to be a little hard because eternity is only filled with victory. Can I get an amen from someone? (laughs) Right. And we're living in a dressing room for heaven. So we want to experience some triumph on this side, too. And I do believe that God does that because if he's just Lord over our battles, what is he going to be when we actually get the victory inside of him? You see, success does something to us when we do get the victory. And that's why I want to ask, what does success do to you? It does something different to each of us. And there are a couple of disciples inside of the New Testament that I'm going to kind of bring into the story of Solomon. Uh, And we see it in Luke chapter 10, verse 17. And it says the 72 return with joy. You see, Jesus right here gives 72 people a portion of his power so he can go out, preach the good news, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out devils, cleanse the lepers. And what they were doing was they were advancing the ministry of Jesus on the earth. And there's these 72 people pioneering and they're getting back to Jesus. And in verse 17, they say, Lord, even the demons submit to us inside of your name, right? They're they're getting ready to, they're freaking out, right? This is Freedom Conference on steroids happening inside of their lives. How powerful is this? They're walking the streets and demons are submitting to them. And they're getting super excited. They're like, God, check us out. Look at the demons are bowing to your name. Sickness doesn't even stand a chance. And you would imagine Jesus's response would be something in the line of, wow, good job, guys. Give me a high five. Give me a hug. Good job advancing my ministry. But he actually says something a little bit different. He says, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you. Okay, Jesus. And he goes on, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. You see, I believe Jesus is actually giving us a solid teaching and word of wisdom on success that I wish Solomon could have had inside of his life as he was dealing with success. You see, the disciples here, the followers of Jesus, were getting big heads and they were getting a little bit prideful because they were hype about their capabilities. And it's important to know many of our capabilities are simply gifts from God. They're not things that we drummed up ourselves. They're not things that we went ahead and developed ourselves, but it's actually something that Jesus gave us. So if Jesus gave it to us, church, I'm going to let you know, then it's not about us. Then it's about him at all times. You see, Jesus was helping them recenter when they were dealing with success. And this is a great teaching moment because a lot of us, should win inside of our lives because we serve a winning God, right? I love thanking God that I have hot water inside of my shower every time I take a shower. And little, probably TMI detail, I love to shower twice a day, right? And I thank God a lot for my hot water, (laughs) right? And come on, we are heading directly into the winter season. It is warm inside of the Warner household, which gives me great reason to thank my God for a warm house, correct? We want to win in areas of our life because we serve a God of triumph, but where to win, what happens to us when we start to win? You see, Solomon right here was dealing with the same exact success that we deal with. And I don't mean in the sense of the stuff, because I have a feeling a lot of us wouldn't have 12,000 stalls of horses, right? I have a feeling a lot of us <laughs> wouldn't have, uh, <laughs> wouldn't be living in a spot of don't bring silver into my house. That That's peasantry stuff. You can bring all the silver you want in my house, <laughs> correct? But here Solomon is dealing with success. And I think it's important that we look at the how and what happened to him. You see, Solomon inside of his success started to depart from the Lord. You see, inside it's not really inside of this passage, but we find out in a mirroring passage in 1 Kings 
<clears throat> sorry, first Kings chapter 11. Inside of this chapter, we start to find out that Solomon is intermarrying with different tribes. He has wives from Egypt, uh, uh, Moabites, Edomites, all the ites, right? The Hittites. And inside of all of his wives, uh, get a load of this. Men, this one blew my mind, okay? Inside of all of his wives, the dude had 700 wives and 300 concubines. Do you understand that is one thousand women what in the world i i'm good i have one my time is taken up <laughs> right like th th thank you thank you inside of the chat we see that's a headache right there amen 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 exactly now here's the thing i'm not gonna sit here i will never hate on the ladies because listen if there were two of me <laughs> oh goodness if there's two of me uh but right this is crazy and here's the thing. There was a commandment given early on inside of the law that said, kings, do not marry more than one because the very thing will start to take you away from God and your heart will start to drift. And church, it's important to know no matter what season we're in, whether it be trial or triumph, that we are not naturally drifting towards God. We are like a salmon swimming upstream, trying to get to the throne of Jesus, past this sinful flesh, past the, the issue of never having enough time to meet with God, past all the drama, heart issues, people issues, right? We are a salmon swimming upstream, and we're not when we're not careful and we start to give compromise to these things, that's when we start to drift backwards. And here's where Solomon's at. He's drifting backwards in the middle of success, which is why it's important. What do we do when we're in success? You see, Solomon wasn't living out this biblical principle called contentment. You see, contentment is being satisfied with what God has brought around us. And despite what's going on around us, despite what's going on uh, inside of the world, we want to find contentment inside of the one whom my soul loves. And Solomon started getting this hunger for more and for more and for more and for more. And as he was dealing with success, what did he look to? More gold, more gold, more gold. Don't bring silver inside of here. More gold, more gold, more gold. And he started to become one of the richest kings around. Solomon let success overtake him. But this is what I love about God. Because you and I, guess what? Hey, hi, hello. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. We are going to mess up 40 times a day. Welcome. This is what we call our sinful flesh. This is what we call life. We are going to mess up continually. We're going to give our spouses attitudes that they don't deserve. We're going to get upset. What do you mean you didn't take out the trash, right? Come on, guys. <laughs> what do you mean you didn't blank, right? I had an expectation that you would blank, right? Here is Solomon in the middle of what we would deem as worldly success, but spiritual failure drifting from God. But the Lord is so faithful. For all of us note takers, I would encourage you, write this down. The Lord is faithful and he's so much more faithful than any of us could even perceive. Because if someone was doing this to us as far as an earthly friend, parent, whatever it may be, and they're choosing to walk away from us, guess what? God stays by our side because verse eight, it says, praise be to the Lord, your God, who has delighted in you. This is the Queen of Sheba talking to Solomon placed you on his throne as king to rule for the Lord your God because of the love of your God for Israel and his desire to uphold them forever. He has made you king over them to maintain justice and righteousness. 
How incredible is that? God knew in advance that Solomon would fail. Even in the middle of success, he was going to fail, yet still put him on the throne because of his great love for Israel. And this is encouraging to me because even though I may mess up, even though when I'm dealing with success and yet I'm still failing or I feel like a failure inside, there is a great God that has a love for the world around me, has a love for me that he says, I placed you here because I love you and want to uphold what's going on. You see, God delighted in Solomon and blessed him, which tells me another important principle that God doesn't just bless us to bless us. He blesses us to be a blessing. Because when we are dealing with that success, the whole idea is that we're blessed to bless. And that's the beauty of this Christmas season. That's the beauty of going into December. That's the beauty of walking the streets and the spirit of generosity is inside of the air. But I personally believe that generosity being a blessing is what leads the way. It's a pathway and an open door for people to experience the love of Jesus and encounter the God that we love so much. You see, Solomon, I believe, is a textbook great example to learn so much from, right? What's our reputation look like? Who are we when people look at us and they say, are they a Christ follower or are they not? You know, I can personally say I've had not my most pretty moments in front of people where I've had to question myself, am I acting like Jesus right now or am I acting like Harry, correct? So what's our reputation look like? Solomon's reputation was opening doors for people to encounter Jesus. Another one, what does success look like for you? Uh, I've won and I've lost. And one thing I can tell you is inside of the Warner household, uh, this is important to know if you serve with us uh, on our youth teams, you know this for a fact. Uh, we are competitive people inside of our house. It's no joke. Uh, we like to win. There are winners and there are losers. If you're not first place, you're last place. God bless is okay. If you play for fun, have fun in your house. It's okay. No sweat. Enjoy yourself. But we want to win. <laughs> that's that. That's that's just our house. It's who we are. We and of course we have fun while we play. But like we we want to win. Um and uh, we uh, <clears throat> we have since banned game night inside of our house. Uh, it just wasn't healthy for my marriage. <laughs> uh, because here's what would happen. Uh, if I won, I lost. But if my wife won, she won. Correct. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit girl math this morning. So, <laughs> so if she was winning at the game and she was victorious, uh, you better believe that there were you know she was showing me her cards. She's getting all excited. She's dancing. She's screaming and cheering. But if she's losing, she throws the cards at me. Right. You see, this is how it goes. Because uh, even though there's success, there's winning. Uh, there's not really winning, right? Because success does something to everyone. And that's just winning out of game, correct? Uh, here's the thing. I still remember uh, when I was working in restaurants, someone got a promotion uh, faster than another per, uh, person and got elevated above them. And I remember them boasting inside of their face of, well, I worked for it, well, you know, and started kind of going through this process. See, success does something. And I want to ask you, what does it do to you? And if you don't know what it does to you, start observing yourself when you start experiencing some wins, because we want success to drive us to the throne of God where our elevation comes from. 
Success is the very thing that has us point back to Jesus. Success is the thing that says my marriage isn't together because I read the right books. Success is saying my marriage is together because Jesus is the center of it. Can I get an amen from someone? Success isn't I got a promotion in my job because I'm good at my job. Success is God has given me capabilities and gifts, so I'm going to glorify him in every room I walk into. Can I get an amen, right? You see, it's all about Jesus. When we look at our reputation, our success, and even our battles, it is meant to always be about Jesus. And then as we are blessed, we are blessed to be a blessing every single place that we go because we live in a world that looks so dark so often. And if we allow ourselves, the temptation is so great to look and get depressed to get broken up and bitter about what we see around us and the devastating things we see happening inside of our world. But you see, I really do view that as a temptation because the Bible says the darker it gets outside, the greater his grace becomes. And what I want to focus on, I don't want to be sin conscious. I want to be grace conscious to what God is doing inside of the world around us because there are people getting saved on a regular basis, especially here inside of our church, Fusion Church. There are people getting healed and delivered inside of the house of the Lord. And I want to focus on that because when I start to focus on that and that being my success and my driving factor, my true north, that's when I see the Lord start to show up more and more and more and more. And as we experience the success in the house of the Lord, I know exactly who the glory is going to go to. And that's the God that we serve. Amen, church. All right. So just to recap. What's your reputation like? And if you don't know, ask the people closest to you and tell them to be direct and brutal with you. Ooh. Number two, what does success look like for you? What happens when you get a win? Where do you start to get to when you get a win? Is your first thought to throw on that song of worship and give praise to your God? Or is that first thought of I'm going to go boast in front of someone or I'm going to allow it to draw me away from God? And number three, you are blessed to be a blessing. Amen. All right, let's pray together. Father, thank you, thank you, thank you. Lord, we are so grateful that this is all about you. God, there are so many things we could unpack from the life of Solomon. We could look into so many different details that he has about his life. But God, we just know that we know that we know. We want to learn from his life that as he began to drift from you, God, we want to stay so close to you. God, I just pray, help us and give us a grace to draw near to you in every area of our life. And then not just draw near, but to stay faithful. Because we know, just as your word says in 1 Timothy, even when we are faithless, you are faithful. So God, we know and call on that faithfulness today to keep us close to you in the wins and the losses and trial and triumph. That God, we know that we can look to you, keep our eyes and our hearts set on you. So God, I just pray, give us open doors, give us a spirit of generosity inside of this season to be a blessing to everyone around us through our reputation and through our success. And we ask this and pray this in Jesus' matchless name. Amen. 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 All right. God bless you all and have a fantastic Thursday. Love you. Freedom Conference is this weekend. Come on, Friday and Saturday. So please, please, please be praying for our Freedom Conference uh, participants, all of our dream teamers stepping into their Come on, dream team. So grateful for each and every one of you. We're going to be rubbing shoulders this weekend. We're going to be uh, nice, nice and smelly with lots of successes as we spend some time with the sheep. Amen. All right. God bless you. Love you all.